Welcome to Grace, everybody. You know, Krista, it feels more like we should call it global grace because during the age of COVID, when we're digital only, all the geographic boundaries have just come down. You know, we have people participating in Grace from all around the world, even our community groups. Like, what's a community group? It's about 10 people-ish or so, and they're discussing the topics that we talk about, like today we're talking about pressure, and then we encourage each other. And it's on Zoom. We have people leading our community groups. They don't live anywhere near Washington, D.C. Well, everybody, today, Krista and I are going to talk about something that we are far too familiar with, pressure, stress. So I have a hose here, and this represents the bucket is our life. And this water that just doesn't stop is all the pressure that is coming, and it just never stops. What does that mean, Krista? What pressures do we experience? Well, there's COVID in college. Yes, there is. Friends' health concerns. Uh -huh. Your dog's health My concerns. My dog's health concerns. Oh, it's overflowing oh, no. now. The oh, news no. is always negative. It is, and yeah. there's not enough time. We're stuck inside with quarantine. Ah. Everybody, we have a big mess right here. Chris and I are going to pray and we can't come up with a solution. The dog is barking too. So let's go to the music team and they're going to sing a song called Never Lost, which means God always has a solution. Okay, everybody, here's what we're going to do today. First of all, we're going to talk about the very foundation that every relationship needs, has to have in order to thrive, and then two proven two scientifically proven principles that work, that need to be implemented. I just want to briefly remind you, this series is about problem prevention, not problem solving. This series is not about stopping the fire once it's already started. What this series is about is swimming upstream, and it's about dealing with problems before they start so that we minimize even the existence of problems. There are always going to be problems, but we want to lower the amount of problems that's what this series is about. That's what these principles are about. They're about releasing pressure. And then the foundational principle, which Jesus really gets into in John chapter 8, every relationship needs to have this. So I'm going to start John 8, 48. The Jews answered him, aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and you're demon possessed? I am not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. At this they exclaimed, now we know that you're demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and he was glad. I want to go all the way back to the beginning. Verse number 48 where they say, hey, you're demon-possessed and you're a Samaritan. Now, he totally ignores the Samaritan comment. Why? He just like moves right on. Because he identifies. Jesus identifies with Samaritans 
Jesus identifies with everybody because everybody is made in the image of Jesus Christ. So he totally ignores that. As the Bible says, there is no Jew and there is no Gentile. There's no male and there's no female. Jesus Christ identifies with everybody. So he doesn't even bother with that. But he does deal with the insult. He does deal with that contemptuous comment that he is demon-possessed. Do you know what the number one predictor that a relationship is going to fail, that it's in the tank, that it's breaking apart, is when it is marked by insults. If you're in a relationship and you want that relationship to survive or thrive and there's insults in that relationship, you have got to stop that immediately because that is the number one predictor that the relationship is going south. It is going down. Now, the key to this entire passage is glory. Jesus says it in verse number 50. He says, I'm not seeking glory for myself. And then he really focuses in hard on it in verses 54 to 56. If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. What does the word glory mean? mean? Because that is the key to all of this. The Greek word is doxa. The Hebrew word is kavod. They both basically mean the same thing. It means a person's character, their reputation, who they are. It's their identity. Moses famously says to God in the book of Exodus, God, show me your glory. When he says that, he's saying, God, I want to know exactly who you are. Now, remember, we might be clear on this now because a lot of people would say, oh, who is God? God is love. God is, is a very popular thing to say. They weren't saying that. They, that wasn't their understanding. When Moses said, God, show me your glory. I want to know just who you are. It wasn't common understanding that, oh, oh, God is love. I mean, of course, what is God? Because Jesus made God being a God of love famous by going to the cross. Because Jesus is ultimately on the cross. That is the climax of me showing my glory or showing exactly who I am. So that's not what they would have said, though. They wouldn't have said, oh, yes, God is love because they had a different understanding of God. So God is revealing to us. And once we know who God is, then we can be in a relationship with God. Now, the Bible is everything about a covenant from start to finish. And a covenant is based on a relationship. And I can't be in a relationship with somebody, a true relationship, a healthy relationship, a good relationship, unless I know who the person is. So when Jesus says here in verse number 54, if I glorify myself, he's remembering back, remember, the Gospel of John is directly tied to the book of Genesis. Uh, John is like a second Genesis. And what they did, right? Satan says, oh, break away, pull away, glorify yourself. He says that to Adam and Eve. They pull away. They're like, the relationship is not the priority. So what Jesus is saying here is the relationship is the priority. In a covenant, the relationship has to be the priority. And Jesus is basically saying this. It's not about me. It's about we. The relationship has to take the priority. Here's the phrase, safety first. If you've worked in any kind of setting where there's a lot of moving parts around, some type of industrial setting like I have, I work for UPS, Safety first, one of the most common phrases, maybe the most common phrase I ever heard at UPS, safety first, safety first. Now, I want you to remember that because that's what your relationships need. If your relationship is going to thrive, if it's gonna be great, not just okay, it has to have safety. I say that to my kids from the day they were born. I'm not gonna like everything you do. I wanna correct a lot of things you're gonna do. That's the way it works in parenting. 
But you need to know this. You are safe in my love. You are safe in this relationship. No matter what you do, I will be there for you. So what is the Bible doing? It's giving us a picture of who God is. It's giving us a, a proper understanding of the identity of God. Book of Genesis. We read Genesis in our context and we fight about the material world and how it was built and did it tell us in six days and blah, 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 and how world, it's not, those are questions the Bible's not answering. The Bible has no interest in answering that question. Why? Because the Bible wasn't written to you and it wasn't written to me. It was written for us. Yes, absolutely. But not written to us. It was written to a group of people who weren't asking that question. They already knew that God had created the material world. They weren't interested in that. So the Bible's not answering that. What the Bible is answering is, is who is the God that created? We want to know how. And because we want to know how, we are very interested in days one through six. Because that's when everything gets made. That's when God's putting everything together. We're like, okay, those are the days I'm interested. We get to day seven and God is resting. We're like, who cares about day seven? God doesn't even seem to care. He's resting. But for them, the question they were asking is, who is God? Safety. Because that's what we need. You and I need safety. So God says, let me tell you who I am. So day seven for them was everything. Day seven was a Super Bowl. Isn't it amazing how everything gets flipped around? I could care less about day seven. Most people could care less about day seven. Day seven from a biblical perspective is everything of what the book of Genesis is about. Gods. Who were the gods or the God, right? Petty, temperamental, creates human beings to do all the dirty, nasty work they don't want to do to provide food. Genesis, who is God? God creates a beautiful garden. God provides food. I read God provides food. I just right on past that. Doesn't mean a thing to me. They read it like, what? This is totally different from our understanding of who God is. Flips it around. Everything gets flipped around. God in Genesis is providing the food. God is loving, loving kindness. God is caring. God wants to be in a relationship with them. God's walking with them in the garden. Totally for, now let's fast forward. Let's go all the way to the Gospel of John. Jesus says, the, I'm, I'm being glorified on the cross. In other words, what is the cross? It shows us ultimately who God is. Now, the gods. You cut yourself, and there's, there's incidences of that, right, where people are bleeding, cutting, they're making their life miserable, all in hopes that maybe the God will accept them. They never really know where they stand in their relationship with God, but they're just hoping. So they'll make their life miserable in hopes that maybe, maybe, maybe the God or the gods will accept him. And here you have Jesus. He, he experiences injustice at the hands of his children, human beings, He's betrayed, they spit in his face, they betray him, and his arms are open out wide saying, I love you, I forgive you, I'm totally committed to this relationship. This is what Jesus is saying in John chapter eight. He is saying, I am not pulling away from the relationship, safety first. It is not about me, it's about we, because the relationship is everything, the relationship has to have the priority. That is the only way a relationship thrives, even in a community group, even in a friendship. So I'm friends with the guys who are in my community group. And when we started the group years ago, we started by saying this, we have different opinions, we have different perspectives, we're not gonna always agree, and that is for sure. We don't always agree. 
Sometimes there's contention, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. The relationship has to be the priority. When we, well, we used to, when we used to meet in person, but now we're over Zoom, we hang up the Zoom call now, right? When we stop, we have to agree that the relationship is the priority. We have to stick to it. And if we can't stick to the relationship, then right up front, we're, don't join the group. Don't join the group because the relationship has to be the priority. That's the only way this is going to thrive. You can't have a relationship that thrives if it's always hanging over the head. You know what? I'm gonna take my ball and go home. You know what? At any second, I'm gonna pull away. It need, And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you know what? I'm not glorifying myself. I'm not pulling away. I'm not pulling away from the relationship. My identity is wrapped up in this safe relationship. I want you to think about this. Have you ever been to a baseball game and sometimes there's a run at home plate and everybody's waiting? Is the runner safe? And you're just waiting for the umpire to go, safe. They never knew. They could make themselves miserable. They could do all the grunge work. They could cut themselves. Anything and everything. Bleed, die, throw themselves in the volcano, and they would never know. God would ne- Their gods would never fully commit to them. They would never say, safe. To flip that around, Jesus Christ suffers injustice. He dies the most brutal death spit in his face, betray him, arms are open wide, and he's like, I am fully committed to you, I love you, and I forgive you, and here's the amazing thing, will we fully commit to God? So remember, flip around, I do all this stuff, I make myself miserable, to God's like, I'm not going to commit to you. Jesus Christ shows tremendous love for us, and he's just waiting, he's just waiting, will you fully commit to him? So there's the basis of the relationship. Now, the Bible talks a lot about sin. Why does it talk so much about sin? Because sin is poison. Sin is poison to relationships. Do you want to kill a relationship that you're in? Then just start sinning and you will kill it. When sin gets introduced into the story of the Bible, we see that it breaks apart the relationship with God. It breaks apart the relationship, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, David and Bathsheba. I could keep going on and on. Sin. Why does the Bible talk so much about sin? Because sin is poison to the very foundation of what the Bible is about. The Bible is about a covenant, and a covenant is about a relationship, and sin is poison to relationships. So there has to be safety. Jesus Christ is about we. Jesus is not about me. The priority is in the relationship. He loves you. He's committed to you. Will you say, Jesus, we are safe? I'm going to step into this relationship with you because his arms is open wide. So that's what it needs. That's what he means when he says, I'm not glorifying myself. I'm not ready to end this relationship. I'll never end the relationship. My arms are always open wide. Now, here are two proven principles. We see them in the life of Jesus Christ that we need to implement in our lives to swim upstream, so to speak, and to stop problems before they start. I am drawing from John Gottman's work here. And the first principle is this. Gottman says, every great relationship is built on a friendship. So he says, number one, you have to enhance your friendship. And you enhance your friendship by asking open-ended questions. Lots of questions. Matter of fact, Gottman says this, and I think this is amazing. Gottman's work is respected around the world. He's been doing this for decades. He can scientifically prove by putting a couple, like basically in a laboratory setting situation, having them spend some time together and predict with a 91% accuracy rate 
whether or not that couple will stay together or they will separate. Now, that's pretty amazing. He's been doing it for years. He's respected. He is respected flat out. And he said, do you want to change your life? Now, when he said that in one of his presentations, I was like, what? Okay, wait a minute. <laughs> You're talking about life change. You know, myself major here. I'm very interested. What are you going to say? And this is what he said. You want to change your life? Human beings tend to make lots of statements. That's what we do. We make statements. We walk around and we statement, 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 statement. He says, cut down on the statements and just start asking open-ended questions. Now, you can Google open-ended questions just to get your juices flowing for what would be good open-ended questions to ask. But do you want to change your life? Do I want to change my life? And this, I'm going to do this this week. <laughs> I am fully committed. I'm all in on this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to start asking more open-ended questions to the people around me, whether it's in my home or on my Zoom calls or whatever. I'm going to start asking more open-ended questions, and I'm going to de decrease the amount of statements I, I'm making. Questions. Jesus asked hundreds of questions. Matter of fact, there's a book written, and it says, uh, I don't know, the, I can't remember the title of the book, but basically it's saying that Jesus asked 307 questions in the Gospels. Hundreds and hundreds of questions. Ask his disciples, hey, what were you guys talking about on the road back there? Or one time, what were you arguing about? Right. Jesus asked, do you want to get well? Hundreds and hundreds of questions. He asked us. We need to ask that. This is how you understand the person you're in a relationship with. It could be as simple as what's your favorite color or what are your hopes and dreams? Or if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? If somebody knows me well, they know I don't like sushi. I don't like sushi. I can't handle it. I was asked to pray at a cherry blossom ball a number of years ago. What I didn't know, they told me, hey, I need, we need you to show up at this time. Okay, so I show up at this time. Actually, it's two hours before I pray. And all it is is a big sushi fest. Like there's tables after tables after tables, and they're filled with nonstop sushi for two hours and nothing but sushi for two hours. And I'm starving, but I can't eat because there's no way I'm eating sushi. Anybody who knows me well knows I don't like sushi. What I do like what I am on a quest for is to find the world's greatest meatball and cheese sub. And I, so far, I haven't, I haven't found it. I found it as a kid. I'm hoping to find it again. Ask open-ended questions. Find out about the person you're in a relationship with. It'll change your life. Decrease the statements and ask more open-ended questions. That is scientifically proven principle number one. Here's number two. You want to nurture appreciation. You want to scan the relationship that you're in to find things, to catch things that you can appreciate about your friend. Relationships thrive on positivity. They nosedive on negativity. You gotta have far more positive than you do negative. It's a foundational truth. We have got to have that. We have got to have positivity in our relationship. Jesus, by faith, who he is, he was known for giving thanks, right? That's who he is. We're told one time that he was giving thanks with his disciples, and this is after he had been resurrected, right? And it says, when he gave thanks, they had not at that point recognized him. We don't know why, and don't get caught up on that, but they had not recognized him, but the moment he gave thanks, their eyes opened and they recognized who he was. Could it be something as natural as is that Jesus, it was so common for him to be positive, it was so common for him to give appreciation and thanks, that when he gave appreciation and thanks, their eyes were open. 
Jesus gave thanks to the Father for hearing his prayers. Jesus gave thanks for food, even when it was a meager amount. Jesus even gave thanks for suffering. Jesus gave thanks all the time. We're told that Jesus in the Gospel of John is the Word, and the Word is filled with thanks and praise. The Bible says we should give thanks in all things. We should appreciate all things. There, right there, Jesus Christ is showing us the way. Thanksgiving, positivity, appreciation. Start your day by appreciating your friends. End your day by appreciating your friends and appreciate them all in between. Thank you so much for doing the dishes. Thank you so much for taking out the trash. Could be big, could be small, but you gotta add positivity to it. Those are two scientifically proven principles that will release pressure before it even starts. Now, let's go back and join Krista and let's join that bucket again with all the pressure flowing in. Come on, let's go. Okay, we're back out here with the bucket and the pressure, but this time we have a drill, a power drill. And here's the thing. This is about problem prevention, not problem solutions. This is about stopping the fire before it ever starts, not putting the fire out once it starts. It's about releasing the pressure from our lives. When we implement these principles, that's what we're doing. So when I ask an open-ended question, what I'm doing is I'm drilling a hole into the bucket over and over and over again. And then we search or we scan our relationship to affirm, to appreciate, to give thanks. So here we go, let's give it a shot. So the pressure starts flowing in and I'll say to Krista, hey Krista, tell me about your day or what brings you joy. John, what are your hopes and dreams? Um, what's your favorite thinking spot? You can Google open-ended questions. Implement them in your life. And as you do, the pressure, as you can see, it starts to release. Then we search for appreciation. Krista, you're such a great mom. Or you're such a great wife. You're so kind. You're so caring. You're so wise. You're so creative. You're so merciful and forgiving. And she might say... I appreciate you forgiving me and for having a certain heart. So this is what we do. We implement these principles and look at the water. Look at the pressure just flowing out. That can be your life and that can be my life, but we have to implement the principles. Now, we only talked about two today, right? We just right. talked about two. Mm -hmm. There are seven proven principles that John Gottman talks about. This is scientifically proven to be true. You and I can both implement them and we can see a major release in pressure in our lives. You can check it out on Daily Grace all this week, one a day, one a day, all of this week on the Grace app or on our YouTube channel. Please do that. Now, Krista, can you please pray for us that God would help us to implement these principles and to release all this pressure from our lives? Lord God, thank you so much that uh, you provide uh, the best way. And we thank you for these proven principles, Lord, that can release the pressure from our lives. Lord, you know what all of us are facing right now. And we look to you, God, because our help comes from you. And God, we ask that you would bless our relationships and help us, Lord, to do, uh, bring you glory through all we say and do. In Christ's holy name, amen. Amen.